Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast. We have five games from this past weekend to break down. A few more blowouts this week than last week. Some shockers. We got to talk about the AP poll. Eric McLean, I know you were up in Bristol this weekend, and I heard you had some travel issues. This this is a good example of the whole TV job is sometimes not as glamorous as people think. You know what? If there was a way to give a anti shout out to American Airlines, um, <laughs> that's what I would be doing right now. So on the way up there, uh, I went through three planes to use two to get to my location. Um, three I, planes. I missed a Friday show that I was supposed to be on, which stinks. Um, and I, it just took me like twelve hours to get to mm. two hours away in a in a plane ride. So that was fun. And then coming back. Um, my flight was supposed to leave at 9.30. I was supposed to be home by 2. And I just rolled in at 5 o'clock. So it's good. You know, it's good to be traveling. It's good that we're back. Uh, I'm just kidding. It was, a, it was a crappy travel weekend. But a great <laughs> ACC football weekend, KG. Come on. Yes. A great ACC football weekend. Okay, before we get to football, you're bringing up these plane, uh, plane stories here. What's the craziest reason that your flight has ever been delayed? Do you have anything crazier than weather or just... They don't have the crew or anything because I have a ridiculous story from two years ago. So can't wait to hear this. Um, this past time, this past time was very weird just because it was so vague. Uh, so we, after I was delayed twice, I got to DC, then I'm flying to, to Connecticut. Um, we're sitting on the runway and the pilot comes over the speakers and says, uh, sorry, folks, we're going to be a little delayed. Uh, the plane in front of us has something attached to it. <laughs> And like, didn't say what the something was like, you know what I'm kind of, you can't see, right? You know, yeah. what, you know, what I'm kind of envisioning, you know how you, you, maybe we've never seen this actually, you surely have seen pictures where it's like a picture of a car that pulled away from a gas pump and still has the gas pump connected to it. <laughs> That's what I'm envisioning. And it like, it was a catastrophe though. It shut down the whole runway for like 45 minutes. And then we finally were able to leave that. That was probably one of the craziest, uh, but get, give me yours. I, I'm excited to hear this story. Well, it's funny you bring up the gas pump in the car because I may have done that before. No um, way. Anyway, <laughs> yes, it was terrible. It was a terrible moment. And you know what's funny is I was trying to catch a flight. That's why I was <laughs> trying to fill up so fast and leave. <laughs> this is amazing. It was so embarrassing. You're a menace to I society. Had to run in. I had to run in and be like, I pulled the thing out. Do you need to shut off the gas? Like, what needs to happen? And she looked at me and she goes, Honey, it happens all the time. Honey, honey, I was like, what? This is the third time today. We'll fix it real quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Okay. Here's the craziest reason why my plane was delayed. Again, this is a ESPN travel story. So I was in Hartford, 6 a.m. flight, trying to get back for my noon radio show to GSP. And it's cold, y'all. I mean, this is February in Connecticut. So we're getting on this plane. It's supposed to go from Hartford to Dulles to Greenville. Okay, great. Sitting on the plane 6 a.m. I somehow got a middle seat that day. I was not happy about that. And it's super early, so I'm just kind of dozing off, whatever. And I'm, I'm dozing a little, and then I look at my phone, and it's like 6.45, and we haven't gone anywhere. I'm thinking, okay, what's the deal? We hear the pilot come on, and he says, hello, folks. Um, we're having an issue with the airplane toilets. 
the toilet water is frozen and we cannot travel unless we have two working toilets, according to the whatever, you know, association. So because it's so dang cold in Connecticut, the toilet water on this plane <laughs> froze and they could not get it to unfreeze. They were like, he said, I'm shooting all this heat at it. I'm trying to get it to unfreeze. It's just not working. <laughs> And it took forever. So like we're an hour and a half late taking off. They finally got it. We get to Dulles. I miss my connection, whatever. I thought I had it bad, right? The guy next to me, we land in Dulles. The guy next to me looks out the window. He goes, ah, there's my plane. It's going to London. <laughs> he was supposed to connect and go to London and miss that There's flight. my plane. <laughs> I felt so bad for All it. because of frozen <laughs> toilets. Yes. And all the people on the plane are like, dude, can we please just fly with one toilet, please? Like, we're going to be okay. And he said, nah. But they nah, couldn't fam, do it. Can't do it. It's that government red tape. Wow. All right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's there a first. Go, never even have, I've never even heard of that. So this is a this is a new one for the Mac Lane household. Mac, do you think that On3 wants us to go from that story into telling our friends about On3? Uh, Kelly, probably not, but uh, that, that's what we're going to do anyway. Before we jump into some real football in this episode, can we please tell you about our friends over at On3? They are the founders of Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports. AIM3 aims to be the college sport destination for all fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle that distinguishes college football from other major sports. On3, guys, they do a great job of combining three unique businesses into one company. They have national news covering the ever-evolving landscape of college football. Some really great articles about the LSU opening, some great articles about the USC opening, and just comparing and contrasting, okay, who might be good fits there? So really interesting stuff. They have fan sites that provide the local presence that captures the passion and the voice of the fan through team-based coverage. Guys, our guy Matt Connolly does such a great job. I'm doing some fun things. Kelly is on the, the Tiger's Den with me there. And then lastly, the database that is coming very soon. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. It is going to range from recruiting profiles all the way to NFL draft info. It's going to be so, so cool. On3.com, ClemsonSports.com is the Clemson site. They are getting ready to launch some other ACC-centric sites, so stay tuned for that. Mac said it all. Matt Conley's doing an awesome job. Mac is doing some breakdowns with him on Clemson Sports. So get to that site this week for your coverage and on3.com for the overall national coverage. Mac, before we get into our big three breakdown, the latest AP poll is out. People know how specifically you feel about the AP poll, but we had a question. We asked this question last week in our uh, Monday episode last week. How many teams will be ranked this week? And I believe you said two, Mac, and I said four. And there are three. And Clemson was very close to being ranked. Four votes behind Purdue. If Purdue doesn't beat Iowa, Clemson is probably ranked. And if UTSA is not 7-0, Clemson is probably ranked. But you've got Wake Forest still um, holding strong at 16. You've got NC State up to 18 with a really convincing win. And Pittsburgh up to 23. They weren't ranked. They're now ranked with a very convincing win. Mac, did any of, of the this ranking nonsense surprise you? Uh, yeah, the fact that Clemson's not ranked is silly to me. I get why. I, I get that they're not you know, the standard that they are, but they're 4-2, and two, Kelly. And, and I'm just looking at this list, and can people honestly say that Purdue, UTSA, San Diego State, SMU are better than Clemson? Like, come on. Come on. No, you can't, but... 
I will say in their defense, I mean, Clemson's obviously not passing the eye test right now. Clemson would be ranked today if they had blown sure. out Syracuse. Well, maybe. If maybe. they had played better. I don't know. And I, well, I think so. And the fact that you were the Friday night game. <laughs> All eyes on watched. me. You were the only show on <laughs> and people saw how terrible your offense is. So I think that goes into it. I'm, I'm glad NC State got a significant jump because that was an impressive win. And Pittsburgh, I, I know they have the one terrible loss, but they're definitely a top 25 team. So I'm glad to see that as well. No, no question. No question. Where, where, give me your prediction real quick. Where would Pittsburgh be right now if they didn't have that loss? Uh, like 10, 11, or 12, I think, somewhere in you there. You think yeah. so? That high? Yeah, I was thinking 14, 15, just because of the disrespect of our conference. But they're there, and they made it. And finally, I think it's you got a big opportunity this weekend. We'll talk about that more on Friday. But I, I like the NC State jump, as you said. That, that team is looking really, really good. The defense coming together, offense clicking, um, offensive line. Hey, we talked about it. What offensive line is going to be the best, number one? I think they took the cake. So really excited there. Uh, but honestly, I'm more excited that the college football playoff poll is on the horizon. It I is. I can see it right there. I can reach out and almost touch it. And so then I can complain about that one because it matters and it's relevant. But for I guess we'll just deal with this one as, as of now. And I think even if, well, first of all, Clemson is not blowing out Pitt. I think we can all agree there. If they find a way to beat Pitt, they're going to be ranked. You beat a ranked team. But Pittsburgh is currently a three-point favorite. Again, we will talk about all that a lot in our Friday episode. But let's get to these games, Mac. Our big three breakdown, our recap here. Let's start with Clemson-Syracuse. It was the Friday night game. Clemson escapes 17-14. to 14. Another missed field goal that benefits the Tigers. Syracuse misses a, a long field goal at the end. Clemson's offense still looked very rough. I do think it looked better than it has. Specifically, you know, later in the game, I thought Clemson went very conservative, which is kind of a calling card of, of Dabo when he has a lead. But overall, the second quarter was really good. The third quarter, they looked pretty good. They looked better, but that's not saying much because they've truly been one of the worst offenses in Power 5. Which is crazy to say when you see all this talent, but it has become a norm. And, and you know, we discussed it really heavily on the show is, is kind of what's next for Clemson. And, and is there any hope you know, for this thing to get turned around offensively this season. And, you know, Coach was pretty adamant about saying no. You know, that this is kind of – this is going to take an off season. This is going to take personnel changes. This is going to take, you know, different things here and there. I still think with the talent that is there, it could happen. And I do think some of this is so mental that there could be this eureka moment. There could be this snap and things just start to click or, or a game – you know, where confidence is, is built for you and then you build from there. I, I think that this game of football uh, is so reliant upon that as well that we could still see that happen uh, because we see flashes, Kelly. And that's the craziest thing is that there's these drop-your-jaw moments of, oh my goodness, that's what it should and could look like. And then it disappears for a quarter. It disappears for two quarters. And, and maybe you don't see it for the rest of the game. So I think that's what's super frustrating for Clemson fans. Offensive line play was was – a little bit lacking in this game, and maybe a little bit is, is courteous. Um, you know, they're, they're rotating a bunch of guys right now. Uh, they're, they're getting different folks in there and, and not sure if they found a five that they feel comfortable with. Hunter Rayburn, who was uh, slotted to start, was out because of COVID-19 protocol. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when he's back, um, and, you know, what that eventual five will, will actually look like. Um, you know, good to see a guy like, Davis Allen finally get his chance and opportunity. You know, I thought that he really thrived. Would 
Still like to see him going more vertical. Uh, there, there was so many just quick outs and, and even tight end screens that I'd love to see him, you know, be utilized more in, in a vertical passing threat. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you're going to get from the Clemson offense. Syracuse offense, uh, we knew what Sean Tucker was going to be able to do. We knew how special he was. Uh, it, it was funny talking with Matt Connolly from on three. He, he just asked me, you know, is, is there anybody else on this Syracuse team that, you know, maybe can do some damage? And, and I said, no. You know, Sean Tucker's the guy, and uh, he he is. He's just such a special talent. I think he's the best running back in the country, especially what I saw him do against this vaunted Clemson defense. His balance, his vision. He, he's just a he's a really smart runner. It's not like he has all these freaky uh, intangibles with speed and strength. It's just really good at all of them, and, and has a decent amount of all of them. And you know, it just makes him really really special. So. I'm excited to continue to see that young man's growth. Really was kind of disappointed in Syracuse not going to him more in the second half and, and thought that they had something figured out and they just totally avoided it and, and didn't go to him. And even on that last play of the game, it's fourth and one. I'm going right back to him. I'd rather lose that way than with, uh, with a kicker, And quite honestly. So I think when you have the best running back in the country, get him in space, try to do something. You know, Maybe don't run straight into the teeth of the defense, but – Man, you, you would have to feel better about your chances with him getting a couple of inches extending that game, especially when they called the timeout the way that they did. It's been a couple of weird endings in a row for Syracuse that I know those Q's fans aren't happy about. But Kelly, you and I are both pretty high on this Syracuse team. I know they have a losing record, but they look night and day different than the last two years. Here's the thing with Syracuse. I don't they're not a great team. You know what I mean? We're, Mac and I aren't saying, oh man, this team, they're just so close and they could be a top 25 team. No, but I love watching them play because they play with all out effort. They do what they're good at and they don't really worry about what they're not. <laughs> and they have lost three straight games by a field goal. Now they did beat Liberty by a field goal. So you, you had that win, but the three point loss to FSU, the three point loss to Wake Forest in overtime the three-point loss to Clemson. Those are all absolutely heartbreaking. So I felt for Syracuse, especially because Sean Tucker just played incredibly well. I think one of my big takeaways with Clemson is, and we've seen this all year, they just don't have any room for error because their offense is so unexplosive. So the fact that Clemson did not turn the ball over in the entire game to me was the key. Syracuse had the one turnover. That was a huge pick by Venables. They probably score there if they don't get picked off and Clemson didn't turn it over. To me, the only foreseeable way that you win at Pittsburgh, the first thing you have to start with is Clemson can't turn the ball over. That's number one. And DJ has done a pretty good job of taking care of the football. I thought overall his pocket awareness was better. I thought he was stepping up in the pocket more instead of just abandoning it, at least in the beginning part of the game. But still, it's it's that puzzling thing that we've talked about, Mac, where he makes the highlight throws. He makes that throw to Ngata, and what a catch by Ngata. He had that throw across the middle to Justin Ross, where Justin Ross like tripped on himself, and that would have been a huge play. So he has some really good plays, and then he just has some dumb moments, some moments where he can't even complete a screen pass. He's throwing a fastball when it needs to be a changeup, just a variety of things. The running game does look a little better, but the offensive line, Mac, I think it was Putnam who got destroyed early on and just didn't even go back in the game. And then you got to go with Marcus Tate, who's a true freshman. There's this O-line is almost being held together by duct tape. And you had the injury, of course, or the COVID-19 protocol. So that's an issue. But you just have no room for error right now if you're Clemson. 
You, you absolutely don't. And, and all the injuries on top of that you're dealing with, your your best corner doesn't play in Andrew Booth, and, and they're able to take advantage of that with various things and different times. So you're right. I mean, th- this offense is struggling. This offense is downright bad, and they, they've got to figure something out. Or next week, again, or this week, excuse me, this Friday, it's yeah, here, it's yeah. coming, this Saturday. Um it's gonna. It can be really ugly, and so they've got to figure that thing out. And uh, but again, Syracuse, keep going. Love your defense, Mikel Jones. So fun to watch. Garrett Williams, so fun to watch. Uh, big Roscoe, Cody Roscoe. My goodness, he was giving Clemson headaches all night long on that defensive line. There's pieces there. Uh, I think this thing can really special for Syracuse. They have a tough remaining schedule, but overall, I'll, I'll watch Syracuse play any day. I, I really do like watching them. Speaking of Clemson-Pittsburgh, let's get to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh blew out Virginia Tech 28-7 in Lane Stadium. Pittsburgh got up 21-0 in the second quarter and then just kind of coasted for the rest of this game. Became a little conservative, but I get it. You want to hold on to some things. You don't want guys to get hurt. You've got Clemson next week. And the game was completely in control. Kenny Pickett was really good. And the big takeaway from Mac is that Pitt ran the ball. Abanacanda ran it really well. And that is something that, it, you know, if Pitt is, they are starting to run it better. If they're, tr- if they truly become more balanced, watch out because this team could be very, very good. Yeah, no question about it. And it's interesting, you know, to see with this number, a couple of reasons for, you know, I think the, the Pitt offensive performance, which still good and still able to move the ball and score touchdowns, but it was extremely windy. You see, and you look at Kenny's average yard per throw, it was at 5.5. He's been in the the double digits all season long. So, you know, they had to, you know, kind of limit what they were doing through the air and that forced them to run. And then they were shown that they were able to. They, they demonstrated, okay, we can run the ball. It was great to see a Banacanda, you know, just being the running back that I thought that he could all year long. Uh, 21 rushes, that's for sure his season high, 140 yards. And, and really just the offensive line was moving people. Uh, the, the first drive, uh, EJ looks right at me and says, man, it's a hat on a hat every single run play that they do. And and Pitt is just moving guys out of the way. I, I thought Kenny did a great job with his opportunities, with his moments, extending drives, extending plays with his arm. Uh, just impressive to see. You know, his recognition is just so good. And, and knowing, okay, this is where I need to get to. This is the spot that I need to be in. It, it was great to see that and great to see his performance. A guy like Jared Wayne coming out of nowhere – uh, you know, having big, big catches, was targeted six times, six completions, right under 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, a great day for him. Jordan Addison always coming up clutch. So really impressed with this offense and what it turned into. But, you know, as you said, they, they put the the uh, the coast on. They, they put it in cruise control in that second half, and it really got done. Yes. Virginia Tech, man, big concerns for you guys. Uh, I've called you suspect for a couple of mm. weeks in a row now, and – it's kind of coming to fruition here. Quarterback play, I know he's hurt, uh, but you know, just not accurate at all. Two weeks in a row uh, that he's been well under 50%, uh, not throwing the ball downfield, can't run it under 100 yards, I think, for, for a couple of weeks here. And it's just, it's just not ideal. It's not good to see. And you just got to wonder, what's the future of Virginia Tech going to look like? Yeah, it's not looking good. I saw a lot of Virginia Tech fans and others on Twitter talking about Fuente's job, and at this point, you're 3-3. Three and three. You've got Syracuse next week. I, the way the fans have kind of given up for Virginia Tech, and look, I want to give the fans credit because the fans won the UNC game, and they almost won the Notre Dame game. Like, the fans did that. Yes, the team also did, but the fans showed up in Lane Stadium. 
you've got Syracuse at home next week. I feel like Syracuse plus three and a half right now. I'm already looking at that. And the rest of your schedule, you, of course, have Virginia. It's pretty manageable. Georgia Tech, BC, Duke, Miami. Like, these are games you can win. But I'm starting to wonder how much this locker room is still bought in to the Fuente vision at this point. And especially, that performance was just so uninspiring. One touchdown the whole game. So many punts. Shut out in the first half. It was brutal, Mac. It was brutal. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, just kind of questioning decision-making. You see a guy like Hennon Hooker balling yeah. for Tennessee right now in the SEC, which is supposed to be harder competition. And, and he's just absolutely killing it. And you see the situation that you're in. And so it's tough. And, and I know a lot of people not happy about it. But at the end of the day, if you're a player on this team, you've got to just play for each other. You've got to come together and say, we can still accomplish some of our goals. We can still be in the postseason. This is what we have to do. Play for Virginia Tech. Play for the logo on your helmet and the name on the back and, and uh, you know try to get this thing figured out. Agreed, Mac. Well, let's get to our final game of our big three, another blowout. I was very surprised that this game was a blowout. A little less surprised with Pitt-Virginia Tech. NC State destroys Boston College 33-7 to in Chestnut Hill. NC State moves up in the rankings. Great win for the Wolfpack. This game was pretty close early, halftime 10-7. Then the floodgates opened. NC State was forcing turnover after turnover. They were capitalizing. Uh, the receivers made some great plays. I love this group of receivers for NC State. And they just ran away with it, Mac. They didn't even run the ball that well. They didn't have to because their receivers were making plays. It, it was uh, a really interesting kind of moment when this game changed. And, and I know a lot of you know Boston College fans are upset about it. A lot of NC State fans are very happy. But there was a, a pass thrown to Emeka Mezzi that looked like a catch and then fumble. The referees then would go on to say that it was an incomplete pass. Uh, NC State able to get points out of that, able to get momentum going into halftime. But to me, it looked like a fumble. But that's when a lot of things started to change. That's when you know Boston College was able to score 24 unanswered very quickly. Uh, that would in, end up being 26 unanswered, unanswered actually with a safety. But that was when it just kind of switched. And it was interesting at halftime, AG, we were talking about this game is so even. You know, even down to the plays, to the yards, almost to the time of possession, it was so even. And we just talked about, okay, what's going to be the difference maker? Somebody's got to get a turnover. Somebody's got to do something in special teams. And then on cue, they get a block punt for a touchdown, and that really just opened the floodgates. So a great job by NC State playing complimentary football, being balanced in a, a – pouring down rainstorm on the road, which, by the way, we haven't seen them play great on the road in a couple of years now, able to do that against a very good Boston College team. I loved what I saw from the NC State offensive line. Those guys were able to pave the way, do a great job up front, um, and then defensively, I mean, they're, they're just so good. I mean, all three phases was at another level for NC State, and why we see this you know, end out being a blowout, uh, my guy Isaiah Moore, Kelly, freaky. I mean, he's so good. It's so fun to watch him, the passion that he plays with, the enthusiasm. I mean, he, he he's a psychopath, at linebacker, and, and a weapon, and I love to see it. He, he's, Don't you want your linebackers to be psychopaths? Yeah. that You want them to be that guy. Him and Them and Drake Thomas. I mean, those are the two. If you could just draw them up perfect, those are the two linebackers you want and, and just thought they played really well. Uh, Boston College, I mean, it, it's just – this is really going to just become a what-if season. You know, what if Jerkovic didn't get hurt? And I hate to say that. It stinks to say that, but that's where my mind's going to be, you know, kind of until they can show that they're doing anything else. But 
They couldn't run it. They really couldn't throw it. It was uh, it was struggle bus all night long for Boston College. And my key for BC was, can Grissel and Zay Flowers get on the same page? And the answer was they could not. Zay Flowers had two catches for seven yards, and I'm not sure that much of that was on him. There's one play specifically, I believe it was in the third quarter, Zay Flowers is open in the end zone, and Grissel just throws it long. And, and that happened four times against Clemson. Every time it was an overthrow, every single time. They can't get on the same page. And it's tough to see a guy like Zay Flowers go unused in many respects. So I think BC is going to continue to struggle with that. And then when you look at NC State, Mac, they're going to Miami this weekend. Miami, we're going to get to that speed round game. Miami did not look like they quit this past weekend. So, I, you know, this is another scary spot for NC State. But I just thought NC State showed some maturity as a program to go get that win over BC. I agree with you. And we talk about keys. My key for NC State was the vertical passing game. You got to get that thing going. They had two receivers averaging over 25 yards per catch. I mean, that that's how you do that. I mean, throw the ball, and especially in rain. It was really impressive to see it. Now, two of those catches were very freaky and very lucky, but when luck and preparation meet, usually good things happen. And, and so those guys were able to really capitalize. Thayer Thomas, uh, just so fun to watch. And then Devin Carter really emerging as the guy. And then, of course, I've got to give a shout-out to Emeka Mezzi being, becoming the all-time reception leader at NC State, 203 receptions and many more to come. Uh, Coach Dorn was very complimentary of that young man and you know, just excited to see him keep growing and, and being a leader for this team. Isn't it interesting, Mac? I would say the three teams in the league with the best receiving cores are the three teams that are ranked, Wake, NC State, and Pitt. Usually how it happens, normally how it happens. Okay, let's talk about these speed games really fast. Let's talk about UNC and Miami. Mac, my biggest compliment to Miami is that they haven't quit yet. I'm very happy for them. That's great news. And they had every chance to win this game. They really did. UNC, I I just, man, what on earth? The defense is looking so rough. But I thought my biggest takeaway was that Miami has not just folded. Like, honestly, I thought they would have so far. Yeah, and it looked like they very well could have. I mean, it was 31-17 to at halftime. You're not feeling good. You're, you're right back in that mindset of, oh, my gosh, it's about to happen again. We're about to get scored right. 62 on again. Um, and they bounced back. I mean, they had a really nice second half, really nice third quarter. I mean, scoring 17 points, uh, responding very well. And, and Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, we've seen two second halves in a row now from him of just – you know, getting better and feeling more confident and getting Jalen Knight and my goodness, getting him involved in the passing and running game seems to be a really good idea. Um, but there was one controversial play that I want to talk about really quickly that, you know, made this game a little bit tighter than it should have been KG. So it's third and 21 UNC, you know, backs them up. They get a big sack. Now we're facing third and 21 Miami gains like 19 and a half yards. And I think the referee, just because things were going so quick, things were happening so fast, the referees were like, yeah, he gained 19 yards. That, yeah, first down, give it to him. And so they they didn't move the sticks. They put it down and say that he converts. And then Miami scores a touchdown. Now it's really uncomfortable. It's 42 to 45. And you're like, oh my goodness, we have no momentum. But like nobody talked about it. The announcers, it happened so fast. They didn't see it. You didn't see any coaches freaking out on the sideline. It was very strange to see. Uh, then, you know, North Carolina gets the ball back, just totally stall out, was very unimpressed with the play calling and, and what they were trying to do there. Give the ball right back. Miami marches down the field, and luckily enough, 
you know, they're not comfortable enough in two-minute situation, throw the ball in the middle of the field, terrible decision, and get a pick. Uh, but as you said, now we'll talk about the whole game. As you <laughs> said, uh, you know, no quit. And, and it was good to see no fight, a big-time learning moment. That's going to help, you know, Van Dyke forward and in, in, in his career. You know, hopefully he learns from that. Uh, and, and everybody listening learned from this. If you're ever in a two-minute drill, Kelly, and you're marching down the field, throw to the sidelines. Throw to the end zone. Do not ever throw to the middle of the field. There's so much in there. Tips, picks, as what happened, and the game's over. I'm taking you throw notes. to the sideline. Yeah, if you throw to the sideline, you're good. If you take a shot at the end zone, it's probably going to go bounce out of bounds or your guy's going to catch it. So it's, it's, it was so silly of a play. We're all screaming at the top of our lungs watching <laughs> this happen, saying, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Um, and so really unfortunate for Miami there. Great no quit, but North Carolina um, just really solidifying themselves as as the most disappointing thing in this conference. I mean, the the, the lack of production, the losses, um, just not looking like the team we expected at all. And now, I don't, I don't know if I want to go out on this train yet or not, but it's going to be interesting to see, does Sam Howe consider coming back? Mm. I mean, does he consider – okay, I need to prove a little bit more. And, and this is more so things that I'm hearing from people who have been there, done that. I did not play in the NFL. I do not know. I definitely didn't play quarterback in the NFL. But what I'm hearing is now that he doesn't have these superstar weapons, is he the same player? Can he make the same plays? And quite frankly, that answer has been no these last couple of weeks. So you know, does he need to come back and prove something else and then maybe be that first-round pick? It's going to be fascinating to see – you know, what ultimately he decides to do. That's such an interesting topic right now, Mac. And of course, he'll get his draft grade and we'll see what happens. But isn't Kenny Pickett the perfect example? Now, I know, obviously, Sam Howell had way more hype in his earlier years than Pickett. But when you look at Kenny Pickett, and I think this is another example for Phil Dracovic, but I'm pretty sure he's coming back. It can re- You can really benefit from coming back if you put in the work and you know specifically what you need to improve upon. And everyone around you has a plan to help you do that. So he'll have to talk with Mac Brown and, of course, all of his many advisors, which I'm sure he has. But I think Kenny Pickett's a great example. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. The, the one thing that I will say that, that might be interesting to leave is that this quarterback class is in shambles. I mean, that there is no clear-cut guy. There, there is no number one. We thought it was Spencer Rattler – uh, who was also the favorite to win the Heisman, he has been benched, replaced, and probably going to transfer. So it, yeah. it is a weird year. Uh, so maybe, you know, he goes through the pre-draft process and, and people just fall in love with him and, you know, more so focus on the great, amazing things that he has done in his career because there's plenty. Uh, but the only thing with that is there's also plenty of stuff that they can critique as well. So it'll be interesting to see his decision. Um, and this Carolina team, I mean, Try to get to the postseason. Try to be as re- in a respectable bowl as you can, and you know just keep keep uh you know trying to get wins. But it's uh not what we thought, not what they thought, and definitely not what they wanted for this season. Let's just say we will talk about that a lot in the winter as we lead up to Senior Bowl and the draft, and with our guests, we'll try to give you guys the best picture of should he stay or should he go. <laughs> I'm a singer now, Mac. Okay, our final game to discuss. After two straight games of just absolute nail nail biters, UVA gets a blowout win over Duke. I'm officially on the fade Duke train. Keep an eye on that after their bye week. But UVA, 48 to nothing. Brennan Armstrong just doing his thing. UVA actually ran the ball decently, which is a good sign. Wicks continues to be that dude. He needs to get more discussion, I think, overall in the ACC as one of the better wide receivers. 
but UVA handles their business, Mac. I completely agree with that about Wicks. I mean, I think he is for sure a lock for a first team All ACC pick. I really? Mean, guy, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of guys, Mac. Listen, when your quarterback leads the country in passing yards, you are going to be on that team true, because true. you're going to have so many yards and so many touchdowns. I mean, this guy's playing so well. Uh, but I, I just have to give love to Brendan. Now I know that he has thrown the ball a billion times. I get that, but he's completing it at a very high level. 64%, as I said, leads the country, not the ACC, the country in yards. His QBR is fantastic. Only six picks to 19 touchdowns. He's playing very, very well and and just freaky to watch. I mean, Heisman conversations need to come up for him and Kenny Pickett. And I think it's so interesting when you look at both of these guys, number one, Brennan's so young, right? He, he's only played like 15, 16 games. But their their style of play is just very different. You know, Brennan is like this backyard Brett Favre type. Yeah. You know, just lefty, make it happen. Gunslinger. Lefty. Yeah, gunslinger. I mean, that's, that's what he is, gunslinger. And Kenny is this like polished pro, one, two, three, check down type guy yeah, that, that can make all the throws. And, and it's so impressive to see just both of them and, and how they – you know, go about their business, but both amongst the best in the country. And so you love to see it. Got to give Prennan some uh, some love there, but you know, really impressive to see what he's doing. Mac, right now, I think it's pretty clear at this point, those two guys have been the two best in the ACC at this point at the, at the high profile position that is quarterback. If you had to vote right now, UVA is five and two. Pitt is undefeated in their league. They did have a bad loss. Who's your ACC player of the year right now? Is it still Kenny? You know what's interesting is I would almost give it to one guy and give the first team quarterback to the other guy. I think they're playing that well. Can you split that? Can oh, you split wow. your votes? So you'd have to split it. Or can you can you have a co ACC uh, player? No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tie. I don't want anybody to tie. Which this I'm kind of secretly tying it by doing that, but I, I don't want to tie. So, you know, maybe maybe it is you give Kenny the first team quarterback, but you give you know, Brennan the player, just because he means so much to his oh. team. Oh. I think it, it's just I don't know. It's very difficult to look at. I think Kenny right now, if things keep going the way they are, even that Brennan's going to lead the country in passing yards, even if it's all said and done, I think Kenny is going to be the first team quarterback. Here's the reality of probably what will happen, maybe what should happen. Whichever team wins the Coastal, which probably comes down to whichever team wins the head-to-head between Pitt and UVA, you give that QB a nod, unless either team tanks or something, but I think that head-to-head game will will probably give us some good information there, Mac. I agree with you, and I think when you just look at it, it's hard to to just compare stats because Brennan's thrown the ball a hundred more times than Kenny. Like he's he's had so much more opportunity. So if your if your only argument is stats, then I've just I've got to turn your argument off because it's just it's right. not acceptable. It's not appropriate. <laughs> By the way, that UVA pit game, November twenty. Come on. In Pittsburgh. Can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. The rest of this season is going to be so much fun. It really is, guys. I know there's chaos. I know some people are sad, mad, whatever, but it's college football. And it's but there's, there's drama. drama. This, and it's fun. We've been begging for it for four, five, <laughs> yes. six years. And now that you got it, you better be happy because it might not be back for quite some time. I mean, this is really turning into a 2007 type of year, which yes, all of us remember sure. how crazy that was. Guys, can't wait for Wednesday's episode. You're not going to want to miss it. A really good guest, a current player 
on uh we'll say one of these ranked teams on one of these three ranked teams Ooh, i'll have to you let go. you guys there you go. dive like in that. and figure out who it is and then of course friday we're going to break down this weekend which another great one uh, the marquee matchup clemson and pitt can't wait to dive into that one but that's it for this episode guys thank you for listening if you haven't already go over to itunes follow our podcast drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review we would greatly appreciate that but until next time we'll see y'all